KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to join me is New York City-based singer-songwriter Joni Leeds, and she has won first place in the USA Songwriting Competition, an Independent Music Award, a Gold Parents' Choice Award, NAWPA Gold Award, Family Choice Award, and is a John Lennon Songwriting Award finalist and an international songwriting competition finalist. She's played at Lollapalooza, Clearwater Festival, the Kennedy Center, Lincoln Center, I'm so amazed. But right now, her latest album, her ninth children's album, All the Ladies, is a female empowerment folk collection produced by Lucy Kalantari, and I hope she'll correct me if I messed up that name, and just released in 2020. And she's in the final round at the Grammy Awards for her best children's album. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Did I get all that right? Perfect. It was perfect. Amazing. Everything. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, I was floored when I read your bio. What, I want to back up. How did you get to where you are now? Did you always know that you wanted to be a singer, a songwriter? I think from a very small age, I knew I wanted to be a singer, although I really thought I was going to be on Broadway one day and went to school for musical theater and drama. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Syracuse University, which is like a conservatory based program. I went to Syracuse. You did? <laughs> I did. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, so did my, my dad, actually. So we have a, a long line of Syracuse. That's that's a good connection. That's yeah. amazing. Um, so, you know, a little bit about the cold. <laughs> I'm oh. from Miami. So it was a real struggle, actually. Being brutal. <laughs> brutal is exactly. Did he word. talk you into it? No, well, I was always just, I think, you know, I'm not a sports person, but I grew up watching all the Syracuse sports. So I feel like I got it into my head that Syracuse sure. was like this really awesome place to go. Yes. And then as I was looking for schools and looking for programs, I knew I wanted to do musical theater or music. I looked at a couple of conservatories that were only music, and then I really wanted to do theater. So Syracuse had an exceptional program. Oh, yes. So that's where... I decided to do. And that's I think amazing. in retrospect, I think I probably would have been better suited at like Berkeley School of Music, mm -hmm. but I didn't know that yet because I was just a brand new guitar player and I didn't really play. I kind of tinkered on piano since I was young, but not formal piano piano lessons like sure. Suzuki when I was little. So yeah, Syracuse was it was it was a great program. Don't get me wrong, I learned a lot on sure. incredible connections. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty much how it had all started and That's then amazing. I started playing guitar when I was in high school just like two or three lessons and then I I don't read music I should mention that oh you so still don't I, read you still don't no okay. illiterate I play completely by ear I have a very good ear great um, so when I play piano and you can all of the other instruments it's all done completely by ear and so when I went to college I was never cast in any of the shows and Aww. it was a real struggle. And so I kind of had to make it my own. And I think a lot of people would have dropped out of the program. I was going to say, how did you keep going, getting, you know, knocked down? Well, I had an advisor who was kind of not very kind to me. And she told me that I should um, become a biology major, leave the program. I'm wasting my parents' money. What are you doing here? Come on. Really um, not so kind. And then yeah. there was another wonderful teacher who kind of took me under her wing and was like, you know, you can do this. And she was awesome. really, really supportive. So thank goodness for Jerry Clark. Um, and so I stuck with it. But then I kind of 
I branched out and mm-hmm. I took the little guitar that I knew and just kind of kept with it and practiced and Good. hold up and practice rooms, those tiny little rooms with the piano. If you oh, yeah. Into one of those music schools, you know, <laughs> and um, just started writing. And that was all through college. I just wrote music and I didn't really have a place to, to, to put it. Like I wasn't recording yet, but mm-hmm. eventually my senior year, I did um, record an album, which now I look back and it's like, oh my gosh. Oh, come on. Terrible. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. It's like all about heartbreak and angst. You know, when you're in your 20s, you, yeah. like, you have this these problems that seem of course. so big. And of course. <laughs> Teeny, tiny little it's problems, your di- It's but... your musical diary. Exactly. Yeah. I'll always have that as this moment that I can look right. back and say, oh, wasn't that adorable? <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, I I put that out, and then I moved right to the city the the day after graduation, and I've been in New York City ever since. And Great. I guess I took a bartending class um, right before I left um, in Syracuse because I Wait, you I took a bartending to... class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, <laughs> at the at, campus at the Syracuse Hilton, I think it was the Hilton. Okay. Um, and it it was all different types of people. It was people that lived in Syracuse. Sure. School, you know, people that went yeah. to school there. And it just, it was really, it was, well, because I knew I was going to be an actress or a singer. Yes. I wasn't going to be taking a day job. So I needed to do yeah. something for money. Mm-hmm. And then right after I moved to the city, I was walking along um, Grin- in Greenwich Village. I was on Bleecker Street and I saw the awning for the Bitter End, which I had studied Bitter in my End. Rock Music 101 class. And I was nice. like, oh, I know that. And this guy was standing out there, his foot up against the wall and he's smoking a cigarette and he's he looks really cool. And I, I'm like, oh, I, I read about this. Place. I was like, I read about this place in my music book. And he was like, yeah, I, I, I run this place. I'm the manager. And it turned out to be Kenny. And, you know, I, I was like blown away because to me, I was like kind of starstruck about it. And he offered me a bartending job. And pretty soon I was also doing their marketing and promotion Excellent. during the day. I was sending out the faxes to uh, the Village Voice, like, this is the lineup. Village and Voice. Village <laughs> Voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was that was the beginning. But I was there Mondays and Fridays. I saw incredible people come through the bitter end, like the most incredible talent. And then I started playing there and he gave me I some love stuff. it nights and that's kind of how it all started so so think about that here you were like pinch you at performing at the bitter end yeah and i was like 21 years old just brand new i had no idea what i was doing like just taking these songs baby songs yeah i learned a lot though i learned a lot from watching other people Mm -hmm. i learned a lot playing with other people for the first time because i had never played in a band um and so it was it was a it was a quick education. Very that brave. Syracuse didn't give me. <laughs> I know, but very brave. Very brave. Yeah. Um it was you, fun. you know what I wanted to tell you is the reason I said, oh, you took a bartending class, because the first time I learned to bartend was at Syracuse at a place called, I think it was called the Orange Grove. It was a okay, I don't know that one. Yeah, it was some I think it was called that. And it was because my job was supposed to be at a restaurant on campus, but there was a fire. And so I lost my summer job. So I immediately went to get another job and they decided to teach me to bartend and I was complete newbie, but it's an interesting skill because it, um, obviously you're learning about drinks, but you're also learning about people. 
people. It's like chemistry plus people. Yes. Um, and, Listening, you know. Yeah. And I'm not the best mathematician. I'm I'm much more excel in like the English, the history, and the and the music, but like the creative parts of it. So when it comes to math, and then you throw into the mix that there's really loud music. And back in the day, there was also like cigarettes in the bars. It was just like there was a lot of I'm like slightly ADD, so it was it yeah. was difficult. I was not the best bartender, I have to say. <laughs> But, you know, I stuck with it. They didn't fire me. So. That's good. How long did you stay there for? Um, well, gosh, I was I think it must have been a few, maybe three years. I was there through 9-11. Mm -hmm. I was there. We, you know, we were closed for a little while because it was below 14th Street. And then we opened back up. And I think I was there for another year or two. And then maybe... I think it was like 2002, maybe 2003. And then I switched to my next um, <laughs> job, which was real estate. I've pretty much done every oh. job. And I was temping. I worked at Miramax Films. I worked at Epic Records. I've done, I worked in the, like the back of a, a fashion district clothing shop. The I've fashion district. Yeah. Like yeah. every, and a lot of answering phones yeah. at, at Miramax. Actually, I was the, the casting assistant, which was a really cool job coming from Syracuse cool. where I was like auditioning. So to have yeah. the, the film set, but I met everybody under the sun and it was, it was a really, that's amazing. Yeah. And then all the while doing music, mm -hmm. um, at night until finally I was just exhausted and depressed and I couldn't figure out like Aww. how to um, propel my singer songwriter career. And I took a job at Jimboree playing music. Jimboree, I know that. You, you know Jimboree. I so do, my daughter, just take my daughter there. Oh yeah, so yeah. I think I went when I was younger, I have no recollection, but apparently <laughs> my mom took me to one of those mommy and me classes and a friend of mine um, said, you know, you should, you should really do this. I've been nannying and it's really fun and working with kids. And it like, is. I don't know anything about kids, you know. Um, I don't but... even like kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, I had like a couple of babysitting jobs, but never really got so into it. My brother's sure. six years younger. Yeah. I don't know. It was I get it. thing I did. But um, when I started working at Jimboree within like a month, I was promoted to manager. So I was like managing the Upper West Side site. And it was, it was, that was also a really good, quick education um, mm -hmm. into the children's world, into the children's music world. But we were limited as far as what we were able to sing because we had mm -hmm. to go according to their curriculum. Right. So sure. Um, the, the children, though, started really inspiring me. And I started writing children's music at that point. So that's kind of when it that's all great. started. And it happened really organically because the kids, they would say the funniest things. And then I would come home and I would be inspired to write this song. Or one of the teachers are like, oh, we wish there was a song for this. And I'd be like, oh, I'll write one. But okay. I can play it there, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, while That's I was working great. there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really fun. And I really enjoyed working with children. And I never thought that I would mm -hmm. in a million years. Like it was just never even like sure. a thought in my mind to work right. with children. Um, but I, I really value the time that I worked there and it did give me a lot of knowledge as far as like what, what different ages of kids are into mm -hmm. both mentally and physically. So like 
you know, a, a kid that's one, it's very different than a child that's two. Oh, definitely. You really wouldn't know that unless you have one. Right. Um, but you're so exhausted that you may not even understand it. But like <laughs> not having a child and learning through Gymboree was, was really interesting. And then right. I started my own birthday party business and I left Gymboree because I started my own birthday party business which was very successful. And I was working a lot, like six parties in a weekend. Um, That's a lot. In Upper West Side. Yeah, I know. And I was kind of tapped into these, the like elite moms. Mm-hmm. So I was being driven like with the drivers out to the Hamptons and Deal, New Jersey and like all of the places, the very fancy houses. And, and, and what so was the was- gig like? What would it be like? Birthday parties. Just a singing? Lot of, like, very yeah. fancy. Okay. Yeah. I would bring uh, like a portable PA. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it was acapella. I would bring like a suitcase full of scarves and a parachute and bubbles. And um, I would mostly do my own music. Uh, well, I would say half and half, my own music and then just traditional okay. favorites. Yeah. Um, specifically, if the children were younger, they like those traditional favorites. If they're older, you can kind of get away with some more originals. But mm-hmm. I think through word of mouth, it really caught on. And I, I did a, a little bit of advertising, but then after a while, I didn't even really need to. But the funny mm-hmm. thing about the children's industry is that everybody ages out and it happens yeah. rather quickly because, right. you know, they, they love you for like four or five years and then they're no longer a customer or a fan. Sure. Or maybe their sibling is that's younger if they have one. So that's true. It's kind of like, it's like a constantly revolving door of of fans. Yeah. Um so that's that's the one thing that other genres don't really worry about or need to know about. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I love listening to your background because everything it's like connect the dots. You know, there was never it doesn't sound like there was one bad move. Like you might've thought at the time, like, why did I bartend or why did I do this? But it really leads to other things. It's so interesting. And your latest album, tell me about that. Cause you have a lot of, you have some collaborations. I think Lisa Loeb is on the album and. Yeah. She sings on the title track. Um, Amazing. I'm really, really excited. And very I love her. Album. Yeah. She's incredible. And just the nicest person ever. Um, so the reason I wrote All the Ladies, um, which is this album, it's a female empowerment album, as you mentioned, is because, well, let me back up a step. I have eight previous children's albums that are not really thematic. There's one that's all about animals, but for the most part, every album is um, mixed genre. So there's like a blues song and a rock song and a pop song, but it's all kind of disjointed. Yeah. This one, I wanted to hire um, an all-female team, and I ended up hiring Lucy Kalantari, who I'll talk about in just a moment. But um, the reason why I wanted to write this album was because I was sitting in the audience in New York City at Madison Square Garden at the 2018 Grammys, and I was just watching from a very high seat <laughs> and saw that... There was not a lot of women represented in the Grammys that night. And, and I was not the only person that was noticing it. The whole industry noticed it. Sure. Um, and I think there was like a hashtag Grammy so male that came I out. Remember. People, yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. And only one female, I think, won in the televised portion that mm-hmm. night, Alicia Cara um, for Best New Artist. Okay. And that was it. So the backlash um, was that they said, well, women just need to step up was what 
was said that night and reported in Vanity Fair. Um, but during the ceremony, I took out my phone and I was just, I was very newly separated, like two or three months separated from my marriage and like just, you know, enraged. <laughs> and I took yeah. out my phone and I'm like, I'll show know. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't even think that that idea came out. I know. But it was more of like a just, you know, I don't want to say hating men because I don't I know, I know. at all, but yeah. I was just like, ah. so yeah. um, I I was writing, you know, I want to write a female album and I want the album to be inspiring for young girls and I want a female producer and I want a female engineer, female mastering engineer. Like I want every everybody, the instrumentalists, like, ah, and I'm just like writing this all my friends, like, what are you, <laughs> what's going on over there? And then- by the end of the Grammys, like I had a plan, um, <clears throat> but I didn't know how to kind of put it into motion because I was an emotional wreck and going through a trial. Yeah. Um, so I think once once I kind of the, the, the custody trial became my new normal and I was able to adjust to like, OK, this is my life now. Then the Annenberg report came out. If you know the Annenberg Inclusion yes, Initiative, mm -hmm. um, it gives all of the stats for the music industry from 2012 to 2018. Yes. And basically, for those of you that don't know, it uncovered that women in the music industry, it's like a huge gap and very, very disproportionate to to men and it's not because they're not stepping forward it's a lot there's many different reasons and so the report includes all of those stats as to why this may be happening but also the sh most shocking thing was that there's out of all of the producers that are um out there music producers two percent of them are oh, female wow. two and I mean, it's, there's many other stats that are just as shocking as that. But when I well, saw women that, in I was film like, too. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And they they've done a report on that as well. Right. So after reading this re report, I was like, I can't wait any longer. I'm doing this album. So I happened to be at a show with a, a friend of mine, and we went out for lunch afterwards with our kids. And um, I told her my idea, and she is an incredible singer-songwriter, Lucy Kalantari. She performs with Lucy Kalantari and the Jazz Cats and won a Grammy for her last album mm -hmm. as well in the children's category. And she she liked my idea, and she was like, well, I've actually been interested in producing somebody. So it was kind of like, oh, excellent, perfect moment. Nice. And she was pivotal in putting together the most exceptional team I didn't know any male, excuse me, I didn't know any female drummers. I didn't know any female bass players. I just, I just didn't know. I've always worked with all men because mm -hmm. that's just what I've done. Right. So for me, I had to change my own practice and my mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not that I'm, was against using females at all. It was just like, there are more men that I know. And when they're out sick and they need a sub, like they know men and then, you right. know, it's kind of so who did you get who was who was part of your album yeah so um well we have um lucy is the uh producer arranger and the engineer on the album okay. and then i'm going on the technical side first um okay. we have denise um who worked for mona lisa studios and she's the mixing engineer denise barbarita um emily lazar is doing the mastering um and she's accompanied by her assistant, Chris. Um, 
And then all of the actual musicians, I should take out my list so I can read them all because there's 20. You know, I didn't I mean to put you on the spot, but I'd love, <laughs> no, let's, okay. let's give a shout out to them. Absolutely. Let me, let me actually bring them okay. up because I don't want to forget anyone. Okay. So on the album, we have Lisa Loeb. Yay. Carly Shiraki. Carly sings on the opening track, um, If Girls Ruled the World. Um, and let's see, we have Sonia de los Santos, who's an incredible singer-songwriter as well. Uh, Lori Henriquez, who is also, actually, Lori and Sonia are both um, Grammy-nominated. Um, Polly Hall, who has an incredible podcast called Ear Snacks. She's also in LA. Okay. Um, and she's on the title track as well. I'm sorry, excuse me, not the title track, the opening track, If Girls Ruled the World. Um, Amelia Robinson, Mills Trills. She's a really good friend of mine from Brooklyn. Uh, Tina Kenny Jones. She, her voice is just stunning. So, so gorgeous. Um, Susie Shelton, another Brooklynite. Uh, Edie Carey. Uh, she is one of the people when I was bartending at the bitter end that I would just sit there with my mouth open because her voice was just so gorgeous. And she was one of those people where I was like, I want to be like her when I grow Amazing. up. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chava Morell, she's uh, from Seattle. She sings the lead on Glass Ceilings. Kyler England, another friend from the bitter end. She's just incredible. She lives in LA. Um, Barrett Ben-Horin. She's doing vocals as well. And then I think we're into instrumentalists now. We've got Nelly Rocha, and she plays the cello, and she's just a gorgeous player. Kaylin Bryant plays upright and electric bass, um, and she's incredible. Libby Wattenauer plays the fiddle and the violin. She's exceptional. Uh, Rosa Avia plays the drums. And, you know, she gave me an, a really interesting stat that I think there's only three female drummers on all of the nominated albums for this year. That's she, unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. Um, Lisa Brigantino is playing guitar and djembe on a couple of songs, Mother Earth, Glass Ceilings, and Lioness. And you didn't and, know most of these people? These, these were no. By... Well, I knew that I knew most of the singers. I knew almost right. all of the singers. I think yeah. all of the singers. But I did not know any of these instrumentalists. And the, I think the last one is Lisette uh, Santiago. She plays bongos and shakers on the song Lioness. Yeah, so I didn't know any of the instrumentalists at all. Lucy found all of them and put everybody together. And most of the recording was done in her home studio in Brooklyn. Wow, look at that. And and before the pandemic. Yes, <laughs> the timing of that um, was happening at, parallel to while I was in uh, trial. And then oh. um, my, tr my trial ended January before the, the pandemic. So basically the, and I, I keep on mentioning that just because you, you need to know like my emotional state while I'm like trying to produce laugh. an album. Yeah. No, no, laugh away because yeah. it's it's pretty hilarious yeah. and I, it makes me feel even more, you know, special about the fact that it actually got done yeah. while all of the other things were going on in my life mm -hmm. because it, it was a struggle. Um, but the album was wrapped, I would say... Um, I guess it was at the beginning of, of that year that the pandemic started. And then 
the release date, well, the release concert was supposed to be at the Children's Museum of Manhattan um, oh. on the Upper West Side, and that was March 14th was the oh. date. And so, of course, two days before that, I got the call that the museum canceled. was closing, canceled, yeah. everything's canceled, New York is canceled. Um, and so I was speaking on the phone, like so upset, to Tina Kenny Jones, and she was the one who came up with the idea of, well, why don't you do a virtual music festival? Definitely. And I, and but nobody was doing that yet. No, they, they weren't. Had been like one or two. Yeah. So I was like, uh, okay. So I called my publicist, um, and I said, do you think that this is a good idea? Do you think anybody will tune in? Like New York is in the middle of a yeah. crisis. Um, right. Will anyone report on this? Because you you have to understand, you hire a publicist, you spend a, a crap a ton of money. of money, right? And yeah. then and then all of a sudden, this happens, and this is the focus. So, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, the actual release date was April third. Okay. Um, so, we I found a friend who had a pro Zoom account. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> who's not on the album, but a good friend of mine. She's not a techie computer person. She's just, she had a pro Zoom account, the only person I knew who had one. And I'm like, do you Perfect. know how to make it like do the thing where it goes to Facebook? Like it goes, I heard yeah. that you could do that. I mean, this was early, <laughs> early times, right? And so she's like, yeah, I, th I think I could do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Can you do like a music festival with like 10 yeah. or 15 women? She's like, I don't know. I can't see why not. So perfect. It 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 actually happened, and Times, the New York Times, wrote about it with like a huge picture. Oh, I saw that. It was pretty exceptional. Yeah. I was so proud that it ran, and it was it was in NPR. I think Grammy.com did a thing. Like mm -hmm. it was, it actually got coverage, and I was just blown away. So thank you, Stephanie Mayers, for <laughs> sending it into the the world and then 17,000 people watched it amazing so that was and, and you can still watch it for all of you that are I was going to ask you where where it would be just google yeah, it yeah so all the ladies music festival can be found on facebook we have our own facebook page all the ladies music festival okay and then it was so successful that i did a second one um in it was uh, with the centennial celebration the women's centennial celebration in august and that one is on that page as well so you just have to kind of search for the videos and you'll okay. be able to find them both amazing how does it feel right now to be where you are not physically but <laughs> to be where you are right now with your career you know i feel <laughs> are you familiar with the musical um hamilton yes a little bit yes so you know the the part where um she's like you'll never be satisfied yes i'll never be it's my <laughs> favorite true. song yeah i feel like i'm almost never satisfied mm -hmm. it's not that i'm not satisfied i'm thrilled but i'm like okay what's next you you're, know you're I'm, I'm like driven. and you and I, you're I, pivoting yeah because there's certain things that i feel like i've always wanted to do that i haven't done because of this reason or that reason I've always wanted to write children's books and I always wanted to work on getting my music into TV and radio and film. Um, sorry, not radio. I guess it's already on radio, but you know, like sync, sure. sync licensing. Yes. But I just don't have the mental capacity nor the wherewithal to, to, to pivot into those places. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the children's genre is that you, you're kind of limited in a way because the genre is so small. So I feel sure. like, 
right now, my only, and especially with no touring, the best move for me would be to branch out into these other worlds. And I'm just, yeah. I don't have a manager, so I'm a little overwhelmed about how to do it, but I want to do it. And I really just, I have high hopes for things that I'm able to do. I just need like the direction. So right. if any managers want to manage me, well, I <laughs> tell could me what to do. See, no, I could, I could see you networking with um, women in these industries and you know, women that understand how to get your music into these shows and, you know, I have to think about this because I feel like there might be somebody I know or organization I know, um, you know. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time on the new app Clubhouse for all the iPhone users mm -hmm. out there. Um, it's actually a pretty incredible place. Um, there's a lot of um, sync licensing forums where you can go and learn okay. so i've been kind of lurking in the background and asking some questions and putting my hand up it's for those of you that don't know about clubhouse it's uh, not a visual medium it's only audio so it, it it's really really lovely and people are very kind and courteous um and so far i haven't i haven't been in any rooms that are um just to feel icky in any way everything yeah. seems really really kind so so i would say if for networking purposes that's kind of where i'm spending a lot of my time but mm -hmm. i obviously if you know anybody i'm all ears okay and i want to ask you where can people find out more about you sure so my website is joanieleads.com and I have all of the things. I have the Facebook, so it's Joni Leeds um, Music for my music page. Um, Instagram is just at Joni Leeds. I'm not very active on Twitter, but it's at Joni Leeds as well. And if you're interested in learning more about the album or my previous albums, right now, while musicians are not touring, following us is really the best way to support us i mean of course you can buy an album i realize not a lot of people are doing that these days mm -hmm. but a follow is actually even more important in a way because then you can kind of stay um in 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 the loop, loop. Yeah. yeah yeah i actually want to tell you i met uh, lisa loeb years ago when i was living in boston she was performing and then I moved out to Orange County and she was at a small uh, record store in Orange, California. I brought my daughter. My daughter was really young. They were doing a Daisy Rock guitar giveaway. Yeah. She performed. Um, then I met, saw her at NAMM. I got to interview her. I mean, and I nice. loved her children's album and Camp Lisa. Yes. And then Meredith Brooks did a children's album. I think mm -hmm. it's so interesting when, when um, singer songwriters, they, they go in that direction and it, things kind of completely open up to them. I think a lot of a lot of uh, singer songwriters, once they have kids, they're like, oh, I need to write my own album. And that's what inspires right. them. Yes. Um, so I I love that. You know, I was actually listening in on the Indigo Girls the other night. They did an online concert and they they started talking about or some, I don't even know if a fan said you should do a children's album, but it was the topic of conversation for like a good 10 or 15 minutes. The, like, oh, what would, and I'm like, I'm furiously typing, like, call me, call me Indigo Girls. Like, I'm like the biggest exactly. fan and it'd be a dream come true. But when, when someone that you love and, and appreciate who's a musician does a yeah. children's album, it's like even so much more better, you know, it's so much better. Definitely. 
definitely yeah no lisa's lisa's amazing and I, it was such an honor to have her on the record and you know we we keep in touch and she's just a joy she's great you know one last thing i didn't ask you because you're in manhattan is how are you dealing with the pandemic? I mean, we all have our ups and down days, sometimes really down. How? Because New York has been completely shut down. I was supposed to be there in March of last year, and then I had changed my plans. Westport actually got hit with coronavirus. I was supposed to go there, and then Manhattan, and I had canceled way before I found out. But mm. anyway, back to my question, how are you doing? Thank you for asking. Um, I'm healthy, thank goodness. So is my daughter, thank goodness. Her school was actually just shut down. She is going in person half of the time. Okay. Um, because that's the only option that is available through the New York City <laughs> Public School District. Mm. Um, because there's a couple of cases in the upper grades. So I think if you have more than two cases, they close. I mean, look, it's hard in New York City. Right. Um, the spring was really challenging. Um, I left in April for two months to go down south to North Carolina to get away because I live in an apartment with no outdoor space. I don't have a balcony or anything. So anytime I want to go outside and get fresh air, I have to go into an elevator and then go mm -hmm. way down in the lobby. And yeah. it's things things that I, I say this to my ex-husband, but like <laughs> the things that were kind of the reasons why I picked my apartment and picked living in this specific neighborhood before uh, for safety reasons have now all become unsafe in a way True. Like getting into the elevator and having the garbage room and you know mm -hmm. the the doormat like all of those things sure but you never safe. would have imagined i mean that no, you know, no, nobody nobody, nobody yeah. would have i i feel like i'm suffering a little bit of ptsd although it's getting a little bit better mm -hmm. um coming come leaving the city was a, a good move for me because I was having a lot of anxiety. It was just um, sirens all day and all night mm. for all of March and April and mm, a lot of June as mm. well when I was back in, in uh, late May, June, July. Okay. It's better now. And I think New Yorkers, um, it's one thing about our governor. He's been really, really, really straight with us mm. and he doesn't he doesn't mess around, you know, right. um, not, not all states have had the same sort of guidance. So I feel appreciative sure. for the fact that New Yorkers have come together. And I cannot say that it's the same in every neighborhood, but in my neighborhood, That's um, most people are masked up, which gives me some comfort. But I still try to stay out of indoor spaces as much as I can. Um, right. I think you have to. Yeah, it, it it's it's been tricky. I feel mm -hmm. very isolated. I barely see people other than my daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and it. I'm looking forward to the day where we can get on an airplane and play again, because I agree. It's, it's hard as a musician. Yeah. And I thrive on being around my my crowds and, mm -hmm. and connecting with the audience afterward and sure. you know hugging kids can't can't do any of those yeah. things right now yeah you know and and that's that's just like the emotional part of it i'm not even talking about the inability to make a living right now right. <laughs> that's right also very hard so sync licensing that would be <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> just put it out there yes i'm putting it out into the universe we'll that's see what great. happens 
Well, I always say people who are in the arts that are creatives, that gives you something to bring you optimism throughout your days because performing, learning new things, creating, I mean, it is uplifting. I know it's really hard, um, but you definitely know how to pivot. Yes, well, thank you. Yeah. And I hope to do more pivoting, um, but I will, again, I don't mean to go into it again, but the whole clubhouse thing, yeah. um, I have been up probably for the past three weeks until two or three in the morning playing these rooms um, with the just the nicest people giving the the sweetest not it's not feedback just like full of soul and emotions and oh. just it's it feels so good because you know we've missed we've missed that like yes. um being in a space and, and you know you can't see them so it's just voices and you're just you're feeling the the inner soul of everybody in the space and I can't recommend it highly. So if you know anyone who can give you an invite, I would say, and you have an iPhone, um, I would recommend it. So it's an app called Clubhouse. Yes. Okay. It's it's just kind of starting and more people are finding out about it. Um, and there's a lot of different different rooms. So the rooms that I like to concentrate in are the music rooms and, you know, like the entrepreneur business rooms. Mm -hmm there's like mom room there's all sorts of rooms and people just talk to each other it's kind of like a podcast yeah. mixed with um it's like talk radio slash podcast that's great slash helpline i don't know <laughs> i like that but you know we need kindness right now and in, in connection so that's yes. that's a great thing absolutely absolutely so you have to be invited to be part of it yes and everybody that's on it gets like two or three invites and then once they use them up you're granted more but um it, it's catching on i'm seeing more and more people come and join and it's amazing it's really lovely amazing yeah. i'm gonna have to check it out yeah i'll give you an invite if you have an iphone i do <laughs> perfect we'll talk after the show okay Joni, i have loved this and congratulations i'm rooting for you no matter what you do Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure.